What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. EWA 570T, do you want to report a UFO? Negative. We don't want to report. Aries 31, do you wish to report a UFO? Over. Negative. We want to report one of those either. Uh, Aries 31, do you wish to file a report of any kind? Over. I wouldn't know what kind of report you filed, sir. Uh, Aries 31, uh, me neither. Aries 71, pop the golf, go ahead. Yeah, was anybody above us that passed us like 30 seconds ago? Aries 71, pop the golf, negative. Okay. Pop this. It's a UFO. Yeah. It's murdered 295, yeah, something just passed over, so like a, don't know what it was, but it's at least two, three thousand feet above us. The I passed right over the top of us. 911, you guys busy? Did we just call about the UFOs? Mm-hmm. They're out there. They're yeah. airplanes. Welcome to UFO Chronicles, a place where people share their experiences of the strange and unexplained. If you've had an encounter and would like to be on the show, you can email me at UFO Chronicles at gmail.com Hello and welcome to the show everyone wherever you are listening from tonight thank you for joining us we are heading to Colorado to hear from Stephen and his UFO experiences. Stephen is an avid outdoorsman spending a lot of time camping and mountain biking the trails of Colorado and the surrounding states. And this has given him the opportunity to have several unusual sightings. But before we get to the Centennial State, we're going to stop off in the Sunshine State of Florida and hear from Molly and her witness submission. 
If you enjoy the show and you would like to help support the podcast on Patreon, you can do this for as little as $1 a month. Head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash UFO Chronicles podcast. You can also find a link in the description of this episode below. Any help is very much appreciated. Now, on with the show. Hi there, Nick. This is Molly from Sunshine State of Florida. (laughs) And I just wanted to give you a shout and offer you a story that I had a couple of stories about my experiences. And, you know, one of them I'm not sure is a thing. And one of them is absolutely a thing. So we'll start when I was about 10 or 12 years old, I was living up north. And um, we were living in a, a duplex home. I was on the top floor. I was like I said, 10 or 11 years old. And I woke up. Uh, and my my head was where my feet were and my feet was where my head was when I had gone to bed. So my feet were essentially on my pillow and I and I I knew right when I opened my eyes that, and it was not it w- must have been in the middle of the night. I don't know what time it was. I didn't have a clock in the room or at least I didn't look at it. And when I you woke up and you just I just felt like it was off, like something was off and I wasn't in the right position. And I, I sat up and swung my legs around the bed. And because the bed was up against the wall, I knew that no matter where my head was, my feet landed, my feet would be on the floor in the position where it would be normal at that point. So even if I woke up in the wrong direction, when my feet hit the floor, I'm now in a normal direction. And then uh, I stood up and I attempted to walk out of the room, but I walked into a wall and it, it was almost like everything in my room was not right anymore like and it was pitch black it was dark I couldn't and I had all of my you know tiger beat posters all over the wall they were tacked all in a straight line um, and I was feeling my way against the wall in front of me but that wall trying to feel my way to the to the hallway so that I could turn on the, the hallway light but that wall that was in front of me felt like it had all my posters on it and that wall should have been to the right of me. So in an odd experience, it was the room wasn't as it should be. And I know, and and so I felt around and I was panicking, but moving very quickly because I was afraid, because I was afraid. I, I didn't know where the heck I was. I And so I just felt my way and I somehow felt my way around and to the opposite side of the wall and then I, you know what, then I, I get, I go blank from there. I'm not sure what happened, but, but I know that I stood up. I know it wasn't a dream. I know I was in that room. I was opposite. It was a different experience. I was 10 or 11 years old or 11 or 12 years old. So it was just a really bizarre situation. And so that was the end of that story. And um, I never really thought much about it until I was older. It's funny. I don't even think I shared... I don't think to this day I've shared it with my family. The second situation I was in, um, I was 20, I might say 22 maybe, uh, 22, 23. And I was sharing a house with 
a woman who was 20 years older than me. We were, we were very good. We became very good friends. And I, I rented the bottom part of her house, but we had a shared kitchen, shared bathroom. And I just rented the basement and, um, but we had full range of the house. Um, it was essentially where her daughter, where her daughter would be when she came home from school, but she was at college. So I was, uh, downstairs in the basement where the wood stove was, and she was upstairs in her room. She was a divorced woman, so it was just her and me in the house. And I was in a double bed, I guess, and went to bed. Everything was normal. And laying there, I woke up out of a sound sleep, and I couldn't move. It was what I guess people consider sleep paralysis. But I woke up and my eyes, immediately, I was in like a pencil position. My arms were bumping, like a stick straight pencil position. I wasn't, and I'm a really restless sleeper, but I was stick straight pencil, couldn't move. And my friend's name was Fran. And again, it was just her and I in the house. Um, and she was all the way upstairs. So I, I looked to the doorway and the door was open. And there was a figure about three, three and a half feet tall standing there. And it was the figure that resembled a gray alien. But to me, it wasn't, it didn't dawn on me that that's what it was. So in my head, all I saw was a figure. There was a shape of a head. I couldn't see no features at all. Um, and it cocked its head. I'm, I'm trying to scream my friend's name and I can't move. And I'm, her name was Fran. And I just, Fran, like I couldn't, I couldn't move anything. I couldn't move my arms, my legs, my, my voice box, nothing. It just what, and I was absolutely terrified. I was terrified. And this being or this thing that was in front of me cocked its head and it, I felt it say to me, and since the beginning, since this happened back when I was 23, whenever I shared the story, I would say, I felt it say to me. And that felt that was the most natural thing, natural way to explain it because that's exactly what happened. I felt it say to me, why are you afraid? I'm not going to hurt you. And with that, right after he said that, I was out. I don't remember a thing. I don't even remember the next day. I don't think I told anybody about that the next day. It wasn't until I don't know, maybe weeks or months later, it's, it, it was not the next day because I, I just know it wasn't, I know it wasn't. I, I don't know why I wouldn't tell anybody, but it was quite frightening, but I didn't say anything to anybody. So eventually I did tell my friend and, um, she said, Oh, you know, there's a, I sort of chalked it up to a ghost. And so I said to my friend, you know, I saw, I, I, you know, hey, did I ever tell you about that night? I saw a ghost and and she told me a story about a little girl that actually died in the house. So for years, I, when I would share that story, I'd say I saw the, the, the little ghost in my room and it scared the hell out of me and whatever. And then I thought, I started listening to people's experiences with aliens. And I said to myself, there has never been, you know, when you compare a ghost situation to an alien situation, it's almost never that the ghost speaks to you by telepathy. But it's almost 100% of the time that the alien speaks to you 
by telepathy. And that was in my later years. Now I'm 50 almost. Now I truly believe that that was an alien because of its shape. And the more I think about it, the more clear that shape comes to me. Again, no features, but that shape, Uh, no hair, no nightgown like the little ghost might wear, or I don't know. But the more I, I, I say to myself, it had to be an alien because it spoke to me telepathically. Uh, it absolutely did because I felt it say that to me. So another part of the story is when I was, I had a gentleman caller down there in the basement with me and we were laying in bed and, and we had fallen asleep and he was obviously my boyfriend at the time, but I woke up and he was hugging me really tightly. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, you know whatever, but what is your problem? Right. And, uh, he said, you, I said, what's the matter with you? And he said, you're not going to believe me, but I just saw something. And I thought, huh, that's weird. So I don't know what was going on in that house, but really pretty interesting stuff. So, you know, I, I love your show, Nick, and I love that people have the courage to share their stories out there. I think we're, you know, I don't think we need our government. I don't think we need anybody's government on the entire planet to tell us, to validate for us that there is uh, alien life out there. Uh, I think that there probably are just like people. I think there are good ones and bad ones. And I think, you know, in the end to just simply use our discernment when dealing or managing different situations relative to experiences, that's the most important thing. Um, you know, people like uh, Travis Walton, I mean, there are so many people that have had some really credible experiences and so much courage to come out. It's it's emotionally disturbing. It's It makes you question yourself and everything around you. And my husband says, why are you so you know, why are you so interested in, in aliens? And I said, you know why? I said, because if it really is true, is there anything else on the planet that is more important than that? And you know what? There's not, there's not anything. There is nothing more important than beings that are coming down here that control you, control uh, people around you, uh, some I really feel are light filled and some, you know, may have some ulterior motives that aren't so great, but regardless, there's nothing more important. And again, I think it's important that we remember it is so not necessary to be validated by anybody, but people who believe in you and people who care about you. And you don't have to be validated by your government. You just move forward in the right direction and you use your intuition. And um, I'm just really grateful that you put this show on because it's, it's, a, it's a tool for people to, to not feel crazy. And it's a tool for people to connect. And um, I'm just really grateful for your show, Nick. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you join us tonight. Calling from colorful Colorado. 
beautiful, colorful Colorado. You got it. Not a bad state. Not a bad state, I hear. I've got plenty of listeners there. I hear it's a beautiful area. Probably have listeners because everybody's outdoors and seeing these things out here. Typical lifestyle. And as we said before, that is the best way. Everyone should be outside and looking up. Pay attention. Pay attention, enjoying nature. Um, you're going to be sharing a few UFO sightings, but first you have a, a sleep paralysis experience you're going to be sharing with us? I think they all kind of just correlate. Get this guess to start there. It's more of like a reoccurring situation. I would say in my early teens, for about five years or so straight, uh, through that, that tweenager to teens, if that makes sense, it was quite frequent that I would be, well, like textbook sleep paralysis. The, it's a whole feeling of just being pinned down to your bed. Your, your mind is awake fully, but your body is completely slammed to the bed. You cannot move. You cannot pick up an arm. You cannot scream. And that was always my intention was to scream my way out of it and to push past some kind of gravity that I'm feeling to just put something out to the world and talk to whatever is happening and into the room. There's always just an omnipresence involved where you feel like something is in the room. You feel like something is there watching you, with you, feeling on you. And, and again, you can't open your eyes. You can't do anything about it. It was just a very frequent thing. It would happen weekly, I would say, for years. And then it would subside for a few months and then it would pop back up and happen again like another three times in a series over the course of a couple of weeks and then subside and so on. That pretty much stopped um, happening. After I turned about 20, I'd say, but just kind of textbook sleep paralysis. I don't know if it has anything to do with this subject. Um, my, my things are more exciting, but I, I always think that's weird that other people didn't experience that because I experience it so frequently. So I guess I started seeing things in the sky. I've had nine, what I would call definitely sightings, definitely more in volume of things that I've seen that are strange for sure. But when it comes to actual sightings, about nine. So pretty frequent to the point where I don't understand why people don't see this consistently. The kind of mark of my lifestyle and what gives me the ability to, to see these things is I'm a, I'm a pretty avid outdoorsman. I do a lot of traveling, mountain biking, a lot of, a lot of in the woods, if that makes sense. I do a lot of action sports like that and such that basically has me camping out at trailheads in obscure areas alone to wake up in the morning, have coffee and go for a ride, if that makes sense. So at night, you know, when you got nothing else going on but a fire around you, you're pretty much trained on the stars. Um, I've always been very interested in planetary science, theoretical physics, astrophysics. I definitely have read a few Hawking books, if that makes sense. And uh, <laughs> uh, that being said, it kind of puts my face just clearly trained on the sky. So it just happens. I, I guess the first thing that I had happened um was just a sighting back in st louis missouri um, this was about 2009 ish i was walking out of a, a store with a friend um around eight o'clock at night and we're chatting and talking and i look up and there is a pretty classic three light triangle ufo above us and it buzzed off almost like a bead there was no direct flight pattern it was almost moving around like it was just erratic and then it flew off to about a mile down the road, hovered over a church for a brief moment, and then shot off into the sky. So she saw it as well. We both kind of, wow, uh, what the heck was that? Um, what was strange about that one, the first one, was the next evening, um, I was driving down I-70 um, in St. Peter's, Missouri, and I looked to my left, and I see the same object but it's pacing me. And I'm not in a, a rural area at this point. This is when I still live back east, you know, on the Mississippi River area. And um, 
was just static in the sky, almost pacing my car. I turned around for a brief moment to check the next lane as I'm making lane changes and it's gone. It took off. So that was that was number one. Moving into the, the better stuff. <laughs> if any of your listeners know where the Maroon Bells are at, it's a, uh, it's a park national forest area out in Aspen, Colorado. Beautiful, gorgeous place. And there's a, a hike out there called the Four Passes Loop where it's about a three, four-day hike around this. Uh, a friend and I were hiking up. We're going up Willow Pass. We're day one of this. At that night, we're camped out. And um, the sky, it was, a, it was a new moon, so you could see everything. You could literally see into the next galaxy, I feel like. It's just lit up. There's not a single ambient light in the sky or anything involved. There are no, no planes going overhead, no, obviously, lights on towers or anything like that. It's just nature milky way just raging right above you and we're looking at the sky and i see this pulsing light that was definitely not blinking it was a pulse a warm warm but it had no rhythm to it and it was too far up in the sky to be any type of of tower or anything but the rhythm was you know three seconds 17 seconds five seconds four seconds again it just had no rhythm to it whatsoever we sat there and watched that thing for about 20 25 minutes me and my friend ryan just what the hell is that what the hell is that just kind of baffled you know just clueless to what this could be um suddenly it like the only thing i can say is it powered up got really 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 bright and then with a split second fired off like a comet leaving a trail behind it just out into the atmosphere gone we both obviously popped up and jumped out of our skin. It was pretty startling because we're out there in the middle of the woods alone, just him and I, and I don't want to get picked up by these things. I got stuff to do in the morning. So, you know, that being said, we're very startled within 60 seconds, within one minute. Um, again, you can see everything in the sky. The, the, everything was just completely backlit. Every single star was visible. But we counted nine conventional jets canvassing the area coming from all different directions within 60 seconds we counted nine of these things what was remarkable is they had no faa markers meaning no tail lights you know no uh, wing lights or anything like that nothing blinking on them at all so what that says to me and probably to your listeners too is military you know so basically to kind of unpack what i just said there we watched a, a failed intercept happen right above us just plain as day um craziness so kind of moving on from there, I had a pretty startling experience. This is the one that I would say kind of put me down the rabbit hole of research into this field. Um, this was back in like 2017. Uh, that prior one in Maroon Bells was 2016, so it was a year later. Um, in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I'm, I'm looking just out, out west from me. I was outside. It was about 9 o'clock at night on a Friday night, uh, sober as a church mouse, no partying or nothing like that. I'm looking at Venus, which was directly to the west of me, just really, really popping. I'm just kind of sitting there doing my normal sky gazing. And then suddenly, over the front range of Colorado, three orbs, orange orbs, popped over the front range, right? So if you can imagine just a string of three pearls just coming over and following each other, but kind of erratically flying, not around each other, but in the same pattern, but up and down vertically from each other, if that makes sense. So as they come over, um, they come up from the from the northwest, um, they started to head directly south. And as it became east and west parallel with me, the three orbs right there with me, one of them in the back, so that the final orb, if it's in a line, drops down, descends, and the other two keep going south. Within moments, as it almost like touched 
out of sight underneath the tree line from me. It pops right back up as the other two are still heading south and starts coming straight towards me. So at this moment, I'm in a panic because I've experienced sleep paralysis as a child. I've had this sighting before prior. So my first thoughts and the, the visceral reaction to me was this is negative. Something's going on here. I need to get out of here. So as every you know good Coloradoan operates, you have a carabiner attached to your keys. So I have my keys right on my, my bell loop. I clacked the fob on my car, jumped into my, my Nissan and started it. It's right when I turned the engine over, as this thing's coming towards me, it fires off, heads right south, catches up with the other two, and they continue at the same pace. So that was quite startling. It doesn't stop there, though. <laughs> so I'm panicked. I actually just got in the car and went for a drive. You know, life goes on. Um, what's really strange is, is I went to YouTube um, that following day, and I found um, some reports of a very similar sighting that happened in the same night. Um, there was one that was in Switzerland and then one that was in Texas. And it's basically people that are posting videos of these orange orbs in the exact same night that I saw them as well. So I don't know if that correlates or anything like that, if this was just a phenomenon that, that was just me seeing it, or if this was something that if you were paying attention that night, you probably would have seen something regardless of where you're at. Strange thought, but yeah. So four days later, this is where it got a little strange. Um, I am down by the river, and I'm with two friends that are, came up from Denver, okay, which is about an hour, hour and a half south of me. We were sitting down the river having a beer, just chatting. One friend is pretty open-minded guy. My other friend is a straight, hardline skeptic. He does not care what you think. <laughs> he basically told me I'm an idiot, and I saw drones. You know, obviously coming back with, I don't see how a drone could fire off that fast, but that's his opinion. So as I'm explaining this to him, like I know what I saw, well, and really I don't know what I saw, but I can tell you it's not a drone. Right then my other friend points up in the sky and says, then what the hell is that? And right above us, there was basically like a bowling pin pattern, you know, one on through 10 pins in a triangle formation flying about 5,000 feet above us. It was pretty big. Um, it didn't take up the entire sky, obviously, but it was definitely large enough to like understand that this is a very big vehicle, you know, relative to how dark it was that evening. And as it flew over us, going fast enough that this whole sighting was about four seconds, as it flew over us, the, if you can know a Boeing pin pattern, the eight, wait, so let me see here. 710 split. So the eight and the nine pin switch spots. So if you can imagine 10 points of light, the eighth and the ninth point of light, as it comes over us, flopped and switched spots and then continued to head east. So it was kind of a really validating moment to be discussing what I saw four days prior, to be ridiculed for basically thinking that I saw a UFO. Um, and then immediately right then there's validation. <laughs> Boom. Then what was that then? So that was kind of a pretty wild one. Moving forward from there, um, I was in Fort Collins, Colorado. Wait, hold on. Let me back up. I'm trying to do these chronologically for your, for your listeners just to make it more sense. This was um, this last year, July 4th, which is our Independence Day, Nick. Yay. Um, sorry about that. We've had to break up with you. <laughs> so uh, You're forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying for jokes. I'm a little nervous here. <laughs> so July 4th, this last year, 2020, we were camping um, up in a place called Vedavu, which is in the southern, southeastern portion of Wyoming. Vedavu, from my understanding, is a Native American 
uh, word that stands for House of the Dancing Spirits, I think is what it is. So the place definitely has some history of, of strangeness. But anyway, um, we're up all uh, circled around a campfire. There's about nine of us, including me. Me being me, my eyes are trained on the sky. Everybody else is having a good time, drinking, talking. Um, I'm obviously drinking and talking, but my eyes are not to my friend's face. They're literally consistently at the sky when I'm out there, when it's that beautiful out. So about to the 10 o'clock, if you're, if you're looking at a clock, um, I saw the pretty much same white orb that I seen when I was in the Maroon Bells back, back in 2016 um, start to come up the horizon. But this one was pulsing, very similar, but at a rhythm. It would pulse about every seven seconds. So it wasn't erratic like the one prior. I pointed at that direction, and I say to my friends, everybody shut up and look over here. Everybody looks up, it pulsed. Everybody startles, jumps back, and goes, what was that? I'm like, I don't know, but keep your eyes on it. So as it comes, I guess it was heading south from that point. As it comes over us, it's pulsing pulsing and right when it comes 12 o'clock right above me it goes womp, 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 three big pulses and i jumped out of my chair i felt an electric shock come from my bottom of my spine up to my head just like a xylophone if you can imagine that Brink, right up your spine nobody else had this sensation i literally i, I was probably about four feet in the air uh, from jumping up uh, obviously an exaggeration i'm not that good at sports um but anyway jumping up into the sky and everybody's like, are you okay? Are you okay? It's like, I felt that. I felt that. I felt that. I felt that. So the thing continued on. It just keeping the same rhythm of pulsing as it goes down the horizon until it's gone out of visibility. Naturally, I was pretty startled. So I decided I'm going to go to bed. And again, it's, we're also July 4th. So it's about one o'clock in the morning. So we're all pretty tired anyway. So I went to bed. My other friends, about four of them stayed up a little bit later, about a half an hour, they, they explained to me that it did come back. So the point that it went to came back from there, heading back to where it originally started across the sky, as far as directions are concerned. And as it came over, it stopped at about the 10 o'clock again, was static pulsing in the same rhythm uh, for about a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, three little points of light come out of it and start squirreling all around each other. Um, they, the way they describe this is they're basically dogfighting each other. And that happened for about five minutes, and then the three points of light went back into the, the big pulsing point of light, and it just went down the horizon. So the, the, one of the things that your listeners, or excuse me, your, your guests always bring up, um, since I've been listening to podcasts since December, is that I think you, you call it UFO apathy where they're not as freaked out <laughs> as one of the other people's. I, I've experienced that in this sighting with eight other people. Nobody saw that to be remarkable. Nobody wanted to talk about it. I'm sitting here jumping out of my chair the next day going, do you guys understand what we saw last night? That thing shocked me. And nobody, nobody really kind of seemed to care. They wanted to talk about other things or walk away almost. It's almost like people don't want to face the seen reality that something is going on out there and you're not a part of it. Um, something is going on out there and you can't control it. And it, I think that's just kind of part of that UFO apathy is like people are just terrified and they, they prefer to not, <clears throat> they prefer to live in that ignorance than, than face the reality of what we're kind of dealing with right now. Do, would you agree? I agree hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's easy just to walk back inside or, uh, turn a blind eye to it and accept 
that that is possible. Well, it's pretty pretty earth shattering for a lot of people. You know, if you think about it, and I'm sure you have and your listeners have, but you know, what what would happen if something landed on the White House lawn? You know, would would we go to work the next day? <laughs> would the economy continue? Would there be exchanges of goods and services when our entire paradigm of existence has just shifted to an unknown air, uh, unknown direction? Um, the answer is probably no. So I think people are just more comfortable just not knowing or caring. And in this case, blatantly ignoring, which blew my mind. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join me, George Norrie, for the Worldwide Contact in the Desert Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to June 28th. Contact in the Desert is an epic weekend of adventure jam-packed with exciting explorations into UFOs, ancient civilizations, AI, crop circles, forbidden archaeology, disclosure, and the newest evidence of ongoing contact, sightings, and leading-edge science. This amazing weekend delivers more than 130 presentations and special events showcasing 67 speakers from all over the world, with two extra weeks to view your favorite leading experts, including Avi Loeb with Clyde Lewis, Linda Moulton Howe, Paul Hellyer, John Lear, Russell Targ, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and more. With breaking articles in the New York Times and acknowledged naval sightings, and more importantly, the new release of classified documents on the day of the soft opening of Contact in the Desert, we are your source for inside information. Join us June 25th at contactinthedesert.com to get your tickets today. Make contact, contactinthedesert.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. So, you know, moving forward down the list here, uh, I've, as you can kind of tell, the frequency of these are picking up. So it was a solid year in between a few years in between. And then over this past year of 2020, I've seen a lot of things. So this was in, in Moab, Utah. Um, if some of your listeners are familiar with this really great spot for mountain biking. Um, and again, that's my lifestyle. I, I built out a truck, um, that I can basically live out of. Uh, I have heat back there. I have solar panels. I have everything I possibly need to, to at least survive out there. <laughs> so I tend to go on the road <clears throat> solo and try to hit up these like world-renowned mountain bike spots. So basically, I was on top of, uh, I think it's called Long's Canyon, which is right kind of in, in the corner of Arches National Park, and then which is directly to the east of where I was, and then directly to the south is um, Canyonlands National Park. If you're familiar with these, if you're ever in the States and out that area, Nikki, beautiful area, it's awe-inspiring for sure. So I'm out here. Um, it's about midnight. Um, I got my, my camper shell, you know, back window open, and um, I was just having a cigarette, to be honest with you. Um, boo on me. And I noticed that there was this this orange light that was really extremely prominent up in the sky, right? And this looked like a planet. This looked like, you know, maybe like a really extremely bright star, but it was extremely orange. So that was kind of strange to me. I pulled out my star app, you know, that those pan the sky apps, and I pointed straight at it, nothing's there. So there's no you know, how those things work is obviously they coordinate your GPS location, the angle of the phone, and they display the sky with where assumptively the stars are at just based upon, you know, science and paying attention over years. So there's nothing there. So this thing is not tracked by whatever. So I was like, okay, that's a little strange. And I'd look over to my, my east where can't, or excuse me, where the, uh, the LaSalle mountains or mountain range is at. And up in the mountain range, there was another orange pulsing light that was just blinking erratically, nothing at all, like rhythmic of it. It would just pulse up and then go down, pulse up and go down. So I'm all right, right? I'm at this point now, I'm panning the sky, like what the hell is going on? I look to the south towards Canyonlands and there's three points of light that are kind of off of the, like above the horizon enough to not be on the ground, obviously. And I know for a fact that there's no mountain range to the south. It's pretty much a plateau um, that just is a canyon right? That, that I'm on the top of. So the three points of light were moving up and down, up and down, side to side, up and down, but they're still in the same, like, like, 
pattern, one, two, three, right? Just going all up and down, side to side, around each other. So it's about midnight. Keep in mind, I'm up here by myself, um, camped out in the back of my car. I got a shuttle I got to take to ride the whole enchilada, which if any of your listeners are mountain bikers, definitely go do that, um, at 7 a.m. Um, I'm freaked out. I made the, this, the executive decision here to get back in my truck and drive in the town. So I started the truck, packed it up drove and as you go into town you have to go up and then back down and around the canyon to get there so as i'm going up in a little bit of elevation i'm looking at this the objects in the south again and as i look over the two corner lights you know one two three so number one and three are pretty static the one in the middle is bouncing back and forth between the two like with speed with extreme speed and i i've heard this description before and this was something that that david fraber talked about with his tic tac sighting how it was a ping pong ball in a jar just that fast back and forth back and forth as you're just shaking this thing and yeah i i freaked out obviously i kept going i drove back down into town and pulled it and as i as i pulled into town this was what was kind of weird um so there's a big strip that goes north and south that goes through the town of moab and I couldn't go further south than the beginning of town because there was seven police cars that were, you know, rear to, to front blocking the entire highway, not allowing anybody to go through. It's about a five lane road, right? Main drag in town. So you could not head south there for some reason. I, I don't know if that's anything to do with what I saw towards the south there with the the ping pong orb. <laughs> uh, but it, I thought it was kind of a strange coincidence how, you know, if there's something going on down there and then the police aren't allowing you to go down there where they called by somebody to block people from going down there. Yeah. So I guess I, I really only have two more um, that I can speak on and keep in mind, this has all been this year since the situation going on on the 4th of July. Um, this one was literally a month later, about a month after that, I'm, I'm sitting out in my car and obviously we're dealing with the pandemic. There's a lot of stresses going on in the world. There's when you see stuff this frequently, the, the question does have to come up is, why me? Why do I see these all the time? And that's when your ego comes to play. Am I special? Is there something going on to where I, I personally think it's just if, if you stop and turn the noise off and give yourself the opportunity to actually pay attention, you will see something. It is a highway going on above us. You just got to be attentive enough and patient enough and in the right areas to be able to see this guy generally speaking. I mean, obviously, if you're in New York City, there's a lot of light pollution in comparative to the Maroon Bells and Aspen. So, you know, that being said to your listeners, just shut up, go into the woods and pay attention <laughs> is the bottom line. You will eventually see something if you're out there as frequently as I am. So this was a moment where this kind of questioned that ego situation. So I'm leaning against my truck. It's about nine o'clock at night. Um, I'm stressed out pandemic's going on i had a weak moment as i'm staring up into the sky i just said just come pick me up just come and get me out of here and right as i said that the point in the sky that i was staring at a light goes warm and pulsed the same freaking light that i saw in aspen the same type of light that i saw in vedavu on july 4th it was just a white pulsing light that was not blinking, but pulsing. So that was a moment of, okay, is something listening? <laughs> like, did that, did that just react to me and respond? Because, you know, keep in mind, in the past here, these stories I've been telling you, I've had two other occasions where something responded to me. You know, A, the situation in front of my house there where the orbs came down and 
one of them started coming towards me. When I started the car, it jumped off and caught up the other two. And then B, me talking about that situation four days later. Again, that's that's a, that whole sequence there. That's what put me into this subject. That's when I, I had to figure out what my opinion is on this. But anyway, just simply talking to the sky and saying, come pick me up, get me out of here. And right at the, it wasn't within the peripheral, is literally right where I was staring at. Wow. Pulsed. I couldn't speak on it or what that was. Again, the ego is going to come into play. What makes me special? Why are these things talking to me? I've had people talk to me about like the possibility of like some kind of lineage and your your history is inserting UFOs into you because of who you are. And again, I really don't believe that. I'm just an average Joe. Um, I'm, I, I work in marketing. <laughs> you know, I like to hang out with friends and mountain bike. So I, I don't really see that being a thing. But that point right there, that did kind of freak me out because, again, it just reacted to, to what I was doing. Another situation that happened where somebody saw it with me was... Um, this past summer as well, I was sitting out on my friend's deck um, with my about four friends. It's about, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. We're all having, having some cocktails. Um, i talking to my friend look, facing south. He's facing north. We're chatting, and I look up because I see two points of light converging, and they look just like satellites. You know, keep that in mind. Everybody knows what a satellite looks like. It's just got a simple trajectory to it that it maintains, it reflects light that's, you know, being not being blocked by the curvature of the earth, you know, so it's, you get it. You know, that being said, I said, look at that. Those two satellites are about to collide. Just kind of joking. As he looked up and I looked up the one heading like South J hooks, accelerates and J hooks and stops. And as that happened, the one that was heading North shot off into the sky, gone into the atmosphere. So at this point, I'm with a friend, and he's screaming, this is the stuff you see all the time? And I'm like, yes, man, this is this is very validating for me because I can sit here and talk to my face is blue about the things that I've seen, but it doesn't doesn't give me any type of validation for this. It's just having the opportunity to see this with somebody. This was not a person that, that practiced that UFO apathy. He was freaked out. He, he thought that was remarkable. Um and then moving forward to the last sighting, this happened about a month and a half ago. I live in northwest Fort Collins, uh, where the, the front range is just directly west of me. I live pretty much close to it and on it. I am outside my front porch having a cigarette like an idiot again. And I saw a very slow-moving, extremely bright light uh, just heading west, just towards the foothills. I tracked it with my eye. Uh, for a while. And I think I, I actually sent you a picture of it that I snapped. So I, I grabbed my binoculars. And if anybody ever knows this trick, I do not have a nice camera. But if you line it up just right, you can put your iPhone camera on your binoculars to amplify it. But it's you darn well better line it up right then. So it takes a minute. So I ran down the street where there's an open field. And I, I put the binoculars up on a fence post pointed at the object as it's heading further, further west away from me. And I snapped the picture of it as it started to crest over the front range. And I did shoot you a picture of that uh, over Instagram if you caught that. And that's pretty much the whole of the things that I've experienced. Um, I never went from A to Z with somebody like this before. So thanks for having the forum to allow me to jump on here and, you know, kind of pour my heart out of the things that, that just are really the big questions in the world, you know. Yeah, a lot of interesting sightings there. And, you know, you spend a lot of time out, outdoors. You know, you know your stars, you know your satellites, you know your planets. You got a lot of dark skies up there, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you get out into the woods, it, there's nothing. There's no ambient light pollution. 
nothing at all. I've seen the Milky Way in its entirety, I feel like, more than other people. And, you know, for you and your listeners, if you don't do that enough, it's a really, it's a funny way to put it, but it's a really grounding situation to put your face into the sky, to understand that you are very small in the grand scheme of things. This is billions and billions and billions of years of just random colliding particles in motion that have created this compilation of atoms that you stole carbon from other beings and what have you to congeal to who you are today. You're just a part of the system is what it comes down to. And it's, we forget that. We forget in the monotony of our normal lives that we are part of a bigger picture of, of just randomness. There's, there's, it's not just you and your, your politics going on in the state and the things that other humans are doing to other humans when there's a whole universe that's infinitely vast out there just right in your backyard if you just pay attention to it. So the idea and concept that we are alone out here is flawed, astronomically a flawed, <laughs> because the numbers that we're talking about here, it's basically in the idea of like multiverse. There's so many different possibilities out there. Why wouldn't something be able to bend that space fabric to come here to visit us? And here's a thought for you and your listeners. When you think about humans, you know, we like to covet natural resources, right? We have rare resources, gold, you know, energy, you know, so on and so forth. If you think about that same idea, a natural resource, but on a galactic level, what is the most precious thing out there? And it really comes down to a planet that's in the Goldilocks zone, the planet that's not too cold, a planet that's not too hot, that can, that can actually harbor life is really what it comes down to, because that's a very rare thing. Obviously, there's studies going on for former life and what have you on Mars, and that's a possibility, and we'll find out when that data comes in. But really talking about like exoplanets, plants that have the ability to just house that life, that have water that's unfrozen and not three miles thick, that's a very rare thing. Think about a singular solar system. Compound that over a galactic level, again, that's the rarest precious commodity out there is the ability to go to a planet that can house that life. So why wouldn't they? <laughs> is my point. Do you think there's anything interesting on Europa? You know, is there anything interesting in our solar system on Jupiter? No, it's gas. So why wouldn't they come and explore this? Granted, it's like speaking to ants. I hear that analogy quite often where you don't walk up to an ant pile and think, let me talk to your leader. Because, I mean, if we're talking technology that bends the ability to travel space fabric to create its own localized gravity well to where time itself becomes relative within that gravity well and time speeds up around it, so on and so forth, and all the physics of it, if they have the ability to do that, what do they care about us and our politics, right? Nail on the head there. You know, like you were saying, you look up at the Milky Way, each one of those stars is a sun, and there's a good, very good possibility that each one of those suns, like, you know, like our own, have planets orbiting around them. And all it takes is just for one of those planets to harbor life. Like you said, the perfect place. Yeah, it's like Goldilocks, man. Not too, uh, not too hot porridge, not too cold porridge. Just right. That has the ability. Another thing to look at is on this planet alone, we have all these type of organisms that live in some really hostile um, places. You know, extremophiles. Extremophiles. You got it. You know, they, they live around volcanoes. They, these organisms. So then you got to think. You got to look up and think. Well. And there's even yeah. more of a possibility that other things are out there in these previously thought unhabitable zones. You know, and also kind of consider that life, you know, <laughs> to, to quote Jeff Goldblum from the, the great movie Jurassic Park, life does find a way, you know, simple. Like it, it, it will adapt, it will maneuver. If you think about the environment 
that a, a different planet, you know, that's within that same ha- same habitable zone can offer, you know, they're not going to look like humans. They're going to look nothing like us. They're not going to breathe the same oxygen mixture that we do. They're not going to be made up the same isotope like count <laughs> down to the molecular level just because that's in a completely different isolated evolution. So consider that again, just if they can come to that point, let's say they've been, we've been in technology for about what, 100, 100 and so years uh, post-industrial revolution. We have enough computing power, you know, in our, our pockets 10 times over than what we had on the Apollo moon lander back in the 60s. You know, if you take that, you compound that short, because keep in mind that the human existence only been around for a quarter of a million years. That's how long so, so Homo sapiens have been here. I think it's like 320 or something like that. So take that and compound where we're at right now in that computing, you know, you think about Moore's law, Moore's law just basically dictates that computing power will double within a certain time frame of time. This, this has been completely thrown out the window as of like the mid 2000s. It doesn't matter anymore. It's the, the Pandora's box is open. Point being is slap another hundred years on that. When we we compound our computing power, that gives us the ability to run AI that can solve problems that the human brain can't solve. Why wouldn't we, over a time frame of a thousand other years, another two thousand, another fifty thousand years, solve the big problem, which is interplanetary travel? You know, there's a lot of limitations there. You know, if you think of approaching the speed of light, mass becomes infinite, time becomes relative, right? So you really can't do that, that Elon Musk rocket style blasting off into the earth and just trying to head towards a planet. That just doesn't work. You will die. Um, That being said, a lot of talks about like, I don't not to bring up somebody else, but like Bob Lazar, basically you can create your own with this, this propulsion system. It isn't your average push propulsion system. It simply creates its own gravity well. So if you can create your own gravity, physics itself just becomes relative. You know, time moves differently around you. You know, you're not affected by inertia. You see erratic movements and such. You can go bust a right angle off because it really doesn't matter because the temperature is still same where you're at. (laughs) Within this gravity well, nothing is manipulated and it has nothing to do with anything outside of it. So I think that can account for a lot of the the erratic patterns of movement that people see out there. It's just, you know, again, that would, if you take a guy in a jet, he's putty. You know, if you break a right angle at those speeds, that guy is smashed up against the wall. He is dead. But again, if you create that relative pocket of gravity within there, none of that really matters. And again, same for speed. You don't really approach the speed of light when you can create your own gravity because you are your own relative place you're you're there you're bending space fabric with your own gravity that is exactly what you're seeing with these lights you know their behavior completely erratic moving all over the place it's wild man it's a strange world up there get your get your eyes off your feet yeah just alliterate put down your phones yeah go outside have a look up because there's a lot of amazing things to see up there Put down your phones, but keep them handy, Nick, because you might need to take a picture or two of something if you see it. Yeah, and keep, keep your phones handy. Keep following me on Twitter. <laughs> you know, I think for your listeners, this is a really important subject that we need to understand and, and more data that we can download this raw format. It gives us the ability to kind of make our own decisions. I think for you, you know advocacy is huge. I've told a thousand people about this podcast. I discovered it back in December. Anybody that has a a single inkling of interest in the subject matter, it's UFO Chronicles. Check them out.
here, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link. Because the more people this touches, the better off we are as a society. You know, again, pay attention. Yeah, I agree that, you know, the more people which, which come forward, more open-mindedness is needed. And I think it's a really good time as well, especially the, all the stuff in the news and you know, which has been coming out. I think it's, it's a very important time. And the more people approach this subject from a different angle, it's, you know, it's imperative. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. The more data we got on it, the better we are. For sure. So, you know, kind of like a sidebar, thanks for creating that environment where people can feel comfortable enough to kind of just pour their hearts out about what their relative experiences have been. And, you know, with all those experiences, you know, we maybe get some answers at least, or at least try to. Yeah, I think, you know, we are heading into paradigm shift. I feel like I feel like I'm waiting for something. I'm not sure if any of your listeners or you had the same, like, just over gravity feeling that something's happening. Something is around the corner, some kind of paradigm shift. Now, whether that be the pandemic that's you know been pushing us against the wall here for the past year, lifting, or whether that be a great un- unveiling of you know this subject here, but something because we cannot continue the same course. You know, human beings are we're basically going to eradicate ourselves. We don't have the the common sense there to not you know take the foot off the gas, if that makes sense, so we don't burn our planet up. So something's got to change if we're trying to get past this, you know, 2,100 mark, because <laughs> you're going to see a lot of changes here in the next 50 years regarding environment. There's got to be some kind of technology that can help that. So if something comes out of the sky and helps us with that, angels. You know, I do agree. I think something is definitely on the horizon. And I know there's a lot of listeners out there which are nodding their heads and thinking the same thing. You know, I think everyone feels, you know, there is something on the way you know something's going to happen yeah. some change is going some definite change is going to happen and you know having been involved in a subject for many years and i went through many like quite, a, quite several years where i just felt you know waiting and waiting but now it feels different things feel different mm. now yeah i think it's more of acceptable subject matter i guess if we had the same engagement 10 years ago i, I probably wouldn't be on here honestly but i feel like there's been enough disclosure you know, in the last recent years that people that would never consider this a subject worth a blink of an eye are actually paying attention to it because, you know, we have, you know, the Pentagon telling us this now, which is like the highest military authority in the United States. So if you're not listening to that, like you're just, you're one of those people that are just practicing apathy because you'd rather not face the subject because of what it means to changing your personal life. Look at it for what it is, understand the data, make a, an educated decision, not just choose to be in ignorance because it's comfortable. And I've been approached by several people which, you know, initially were very apathetic to the subject, you know, they didn't really care, it was just a joke, yeah. you know, it was just one of those things that you saw on the on the news and it was just made a mockery of, but but now they're converts, you know, they've got interested, you know, they... They know there's there's an avenue which needs exploring. Yeah, it takes a lot to break down a defense mechanism. You know, it's all knee-jerk. You want to laugh at it. You want to play it down. You want to call that guy a kook, you know, what have you. But, you know, these are things, again, to kind of go back to this. Just pay attention. You will see them. If you're in the area to not have an abundance of light pollution and you're out camping, you're out with your family on a boat, wherever you may be relative to what's going on in your life, if you have that opportunity, just sit there and just stare up, get a recliner, look up at the sky, pay attention to movement on it. Because if anything, you may just get the wish on some shooting stars. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. You know, what you could probably do is you could probably start organizing sky watches, take a few people with you. Yeah. 
I, I'd like to. I, I've been. I'll be honest with you. My life is so busy. Like I can't. I can barely date. <laughs> so that being said, like adding <laughs> another thing to it on top of the abundance of activities I already do does sound kind of crippling. But I, you know, I I wouldn't mind getting involved into some kind of like local watch group or to be able to talk about this and have an open forum face to face with people. Obviously, when the pandemic lifts, um, I just don't know where to find that. You know. I don't. Is it a Facebook group? I don't know. I think these days that's probably the easiest way. Mm. I mean, if you search, it goes to listeners as well. If you search your local area and the Facebook groups, I guarantee it there'll be a local sky watching group. It doesn't necessarily have to be a CE5 group. You know, just be a local sky watching group where you all meet up at a weekend and uh, go out and just sit on chairs and look up. I, I mean, if anything, again, you get the wish and some stars. That's that's quite fine, too. Well, that is great. It's some great talking to you, Steve. Yeah, man. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that. Yeah, no, for sure. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to do so. Take care of yourself, Steve. You too. Bye-bye. That is all for this week. Keep updated and connected with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you have an encounter you would like to share on the podcast, you can email me at ufochronicles at gmail.com or reach out to me via the contact page on my website, ufochroniclespodcast.com. Big thank you to Molly and Stephen for sharing tonight, and thank you for listening. I will be back next week. Till then, stay safe and keep watching the skies. Goodbye. Goodbye.